Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, come on. How are we doing 11 a.m.? Are you doing well today? I don't believe you. Let's try that again. How's everyone doing today? Are you doing well? I'm not, I'm not looking for people to yell. Uh, yeah, I... I appreciate the yelling, but I just really, there's some people I see that they just sit there. And this is, this is what I'm convinced of, is there is a level of expectation that actually shows an expression. And it's, it's not necessarily, well, I'm ready and I expect it for God to see, but there's a posture of it. And I believe that uh, God was selective on some of the people he did miracles to, and Paul kind of describes this as Paul said he saw, Paul saw people that had the faith to be made well. I think as Jesus was walking that he saw people that were hungry for God. And he saw people that were ready for to receive what God had. It's not a question if God wants to give it. It's a question of if we're willing to receive it. So I'm looking forward to being able to share the word with you guys today. I hope you're ready to receive it today. I know you are. I know you're expecting because you're here. If you wouldn't be here, you wouldn't be expected for God to speak to you. But before we dive into the word today, I want to highlight one key thing that we're doing as a church. Say next week. Next week, Monday, August 29th. We are having a group rally at Interrail and Exarban at 6.30 p.m. My City Church is taking over Interrail. We're renting out the whole area. You know, we're going to have volleyball. We're going to have games, some announcements, and hanging out as a community, not just in the four walls of a church. Now, I know we're at a school right now, so that doesn't really apply to My City Church, but I don't believe that a church should stay within the four walls, but actually should invade the community. I don't believe Christianity is just meant for us to just sit by and be quiet and do our little Christian thing. I believe that we are meant to influence culture so that God's kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we're stepping in in the middle of Interrail next Monday at 6.30 p.m. as a community of believers. We're coming together. Make it a priority to be there. Better yet, don't just be there. Bring someone along with you. Get some good food. Get some good fellowship, hanging out, having some fun in the middle of the city, Interrail and Exarban, next Monday at 6.30 p.m. You'll hear more about it uh, next week, next Sunday. So, um, but because of that, I believe that as a church, many times we can, we can try to, to force something uh, through our flesh. But I believe that there are principalities that are actually over this city. And there are principalities and spiritual strongholds that are actually over our very lives. Uh, generational strongholds that are over our lives that we are called by the power of the Holy Spirit to break. And that's what it means to have Christ's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, is that there's a battle going on. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And so one of the ways that we can best influence this city is by bringing our personal selves in the middle of this city and not just restricting Jesus to the four walls of the church. And it reminds me of Ephesians 6. 12 for us to keep in into remembrance is that for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers not government <laughs> of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms and this is something that we need to keep in perspective as a church but particularly during this message is that there are battles that all of you are facing right now and I want you to not look at it necessarily through your physical eyes as why is this happening to me, but I want you to look at it through your spiritual eyes. God, what are you trying to do through this? What is happening right now? I think we as a church need to learn how to run to God first 
when we have problems in our lives and knowing that not everything is a physical problem. I think sometimes we over-spiritualize stuff, but I think sometimes we under-spiritualize stuff. And we try to willpower, willpower our way out of certain sins or certain uh, mindsets. And we try, well, I'm just going to try harder and work harder. And God says, no, 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 no. This is a spiritual battle. I need you to fight it spiritually on your knees rather than on the front lines. Amen? So I need you to be aware of that as we dive into this message. And I want to ask you the question before we jump into our key scripture today. How many of you have ever faced or are currently facing a battle where you feel like it's too big for you? Huh? They say this is like the best question to ask in church. <laughs> is that, how many of y'all going through a storm? It's like if you want to get people to raise their hand, it's like, who's in a storm right now? Oh, that's me. You know, it depends on various levels of storm. Um, but whether this is what I know about God and, and life, actually, is that you're either uh, going into a storm in the middle of a storm or coming out of a storm. And uh, the important thing is that we don't fix our eyes on the storm, but we actually fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, I had set to be able to talk to you today about Peter and Jesus walking on water, but God changed that. And uh, yes, Friday, Friday afternoon, he changed that. And now we're going to be kind of picking up off of last week's message about King Jehoshaphat. Who was here last week? Last week. We're going to be continuing just a little bit. And if, if you hadn't had the chance to listen to the podcast last week or you weren't here last week, check it out. But we're going to kick into his story uh, and share kind of, this is several years after he was walking through the desert and didn't have water for seven days. And God told them to dig dishes and they dug ditches and then water came. This is several years after that, and it's found in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Who has their Bibles today? Huh? Let me see them. Let me see them. Lift them up in the air. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Be a reader of the Word. Be a student of the Word of God. Don't just be a person that just hears about it in messages, but actually read it. It's the one book that you read that actually reads you. And so I encourage you to read the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible, stop by the Connect Corner, and we'd be glad to give you one. Uh, if you do have a Bible, go home and read it. So, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17 says, you will not have to fight this battle. And I'm here to tell you today, if the battle seems too big for you, it's not meant for you. I feel like I need to say that again. If you feel like you can't fight that battle, it is not meant for you. It is meant for Jesus to fight it. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem... Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Are you guys ready for the message today? If you're taking notes, write down this title today, when you're not ready for the battle. What do you do when you're not ready for the battle? We're going to dive into that. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would be, we thank you that you are here, God. We thank you that you're moving amidst our midst, God, amongst our midst right now. We thank you that your word, that it is spoken, it did not, does not return void, but it accomplishes the word, the, the purpose for which you sent it. So right now, God, we pray that you would transform lives today. May it not just go in one ear and out the other, God, but it penetrate to our innermost being. God, as your word is sharper than a double-edged sword to divide bone and marrow. Speak to us today, God. We're expectant. We're hungry for you, God. We're hungry for you, God. Would you speak to us and open our ears that we may hear you, God, and open our eyes that we may see you today. And right now, church, open up your hands and say these words after me. Say these words. Say, Lord, 
speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for the word of God today. Come on, we can do, we can do, we can keep happening. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus today. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I am excited to be in church with you today. I hope that you're expecting and ready for God to speak to you today. And uh, for those of you that may know me or may not know me, my name is Eli Nelson. I'm the lead pastor along with my wife, Kelly Nelson. And we have four amazing kids. Not to brag, but our kids are the best kids, <laughs> said every parent ever. We love our kids. And we got four. It's Eva. She's six. Winston is four. He's going to be five on Friday. And then, yeah, he's going to be five this Friday. Yeah. Uh, and then e, uh, Nora, she's three, and Margaret, we call her Mags, she's two. And uh, we have four amazing kids. And one thing I've learned, though, over these six years of parenting is that as a parent, you have to choose your battles. That if you come off too strict at times, you'll actually create too many boundaries to the point that when the child is older, they'll, they'll end up rebelling against everything that you've ever said or cared about or, or, or set up in their lives. So as a parent, you know that, hey, every once in a while, it's okay for them to play the music really loud. Every once in a while, it's okay for them to stay up a little late. Every once in a while, it's okay. You got to pick your battles. You got to choose your battles. And this is one thing that I've learned within marriage. Marriage, you got to choose your battles. This is not the hill to die on. I know it's cold water. And I know you need to use hot water to clean the dishes, but I'm choosing to use cold, and you know what? It's not that big of a deal. I'll use hot if you want me to use hot. I'm not petty. I got over it. You got to pick your battles. <laughs> yeah, right? You got to pick your battles in marriage. You got to pick your battles in leadership, too. You can't just uh, come across and believe that everyone is supposed to be a 10 out of a 10 leader, but if you're a leader in this room or a business owner, sometimes you get clay that you have to work with, and you got you to shape with it, and if you're trying to shape it too fast, it ends up breaking it. So even for you, you got to be able to choose your battles. But I have a question for you. What happens when your battle chooses you or your battle picks you? What do you do when you don't have time to watch that TED Talk? You don't have time to watch that, that message or read that book, but the battle actually comes out of nowhere and chooses you. And that's where I want to talk about today. And we'll pick up on that verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. This is talking about our man Jehoshaphat. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites and some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. And we'll leave this up there. Remember who Jehoshaphat was? Jehoshaphat was the godly king. He was the man who partnered with Joram last week. We talked about they went through the desert. And he was the guy saying, is there not a prophet of the Lord here? Well, Jehoshaphat has a bit of a history. See, he also partnered with King Ahab. Ahab may sound familiar because he's the guy that was, that was uh, against Elijah when Elijah said that it wouldn't rain in Israel for three years. That was Ahab. Ahab went to Jehoshaphat and said, hey, let's go invade Ramith Gilead and uh, let's conquer that territory. And Je Jehoshaphat said, yeah, let's go, but let's first seek the Lord. And Micaiah, the prophet, said, don't go, Ahab, because you're going to die. And Joseph had almost got killed during that battle, but he called out to the Lord. Ahab actually died. But then he also partnered with Ahab's son, Joram, and then he almost died in the desert, but God delivered him again. So this is the same 
Jehoshaphat. After he got back from, from Moab, several years went by, the Battle of Moab, several years went by, and he started to bring about a reformation amongst Judah. He started to establish good judges, uh, good leaders that were leading godly, not just worldly, but they're leading with godly principles. So he started to establish all of these uh, things that were bringing glory and honor to God, but then this comes up. It says, after this, after the reformation that he was bringing, he starts to be invaded. Do not be surprised in your life that when you start to put God first, that the devil won't send and stand up and, and start to stand against the word that God spoke, against, spoke over you. Do not be surprised when you start to set good boundaries in your life and you start saying, hey, I'm going to make church a priority or I'm going to make prayer a priority. Or, I'm going to be reading my Bible a priority when the devil doesn't come up to question what you are under conviction in. Don't be surprised when reformation comes that the devil doesn't attack you. Well, I thought when I followed God, everything is going to be good. No, that's not the case. That is not the case. So if someone has misled you and said, yeah, follow Jesus and everything's going to be great. That's not the case. That's not true. So don't be surprised when the devil comes after you, after you start to reform. Well, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 2. Verse 2. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army. You know how big a vast army is? It's big. It's a vast army. Mainly what that means is that it's too big for you to handle. It's too big for you to handle. It's coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already at Hezazon, Tamar, that's in Gedi. So this army is coming against him, and they're already at En Gedi. En Gedi is just under 50 miles away from Jerusalem, where he's at. And it came out of nowhere. They went through the desert that Jehoshaphat almost died in. That's not the typical route. They didn't go through the trade route. It came from behind. He wasn't able to prepare for it. Have you ever had a battle in your life that you weren't able to prepare for? That it just showed up? Have you ever had one in your life where you just got a phone call late at night? Have you ever had one in your life where you just heard last minute notice, hey, you don't have a job tomorrow? Have you ever had it in your life, something bigger than you that you were not able to handle? That came out of nowhere. It says it's about 50 miles away. That's about a 16-hour walk from En Gedi to Jerusalem. They were on the doorsteps of Jerusalem. A three-alliance army. Way too big for Jehoshaphat to handle on his own. Have you ever had a battle in your life where it was too big for you to handle on your own? Well, let's see what Jehoshaphat does. Jehoshaphat, in verse 3. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. I love how transparent the Bible is. Can I tell you that it's okay for things to alarm you? And anyone that says, well, I never get alarmed. I'm always faith in the Lord. Yea, verily I say to thee. I would venture to say that most people are alarmed when things come up. But I love what Jehoshaphat did. He was alarmed, but he resolved. He resolved. So when you have things come up in your life, it's okay for it to alarm you. It's okay for it to take you off guard. But you got to set it in your heart that I am going to resolve to seek the Lord. Write this down. He was shocked, but he wasn't shaken. He was shocked, but he wasn't shaken. Because he had his firm foundation on the solid rock of which he stands. 
So when the wind came and the waters rose and the waves came, it didn't destroy his resolution. He was resolved to seek the Lord. In your life, can I tell you that you need to be resolved to seek the Lord? God cannot be your last resort. He has got to be your first option. That God, I don't know what I'm going to do with this right now. That doctor called out of nowhere and said, hey, the report is positive. And that's actually running rampant. It's actually stage three, stage four. I don't know what to do with it right now, but I am resolved to seek the Lord. Some people just are resolved to numb out. When something comes their way, they don't pray. And I'm guilty of this. When I get overstressed and old and burdened, I don't, my first result is not, well, I'm going to go and pray. It's not. Honestly, you want to know what mine is? A little bit of humanity for you. I just like to turn on the TV and numb out and forget about everything. That's my response. Anyone else been there before? But you have to have times in your life where you realize, you know what? I don't think this is actually healthy for me. And what I found is that when I turn off the TV and I actually take time to seek the Lord, that's where I get that peace that surpasses all understanding. Because I'm sitting there worrying about all these things that are happening, all these things that are about to happen when I ought to be worshiping. When I ought to take the time to pray, I ought to take the time to worship. I have to align myself with God. So write this down today, that when you do not have time to prepare, align your position. Just align it. Sometimes it's just a turning. It's, you know what, I know I'm facing this right now. God, I need your help. God, would you help me? And that's what Jehoshaphat does. He aligns his position with the Lord. Verse 5, let's pick up, let's keep going with verse 5. It says, then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors. So here he is, he's crying out to God. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but if you are going through something, kind of put a little bookmark in your Bible. Or if you're on your Bible app, kind of highlight it. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5. This is a powerful prayer that you can pray before the Lord. Saying, God, I don't know what's going on right now. And just bring it before the Lord, just like Jehoshaphat does. He says this, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? Aren't you over all of this, God? Are you not the one who knows the beginning from the end? You know all things, God. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Let's keep going in his prayer. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? God, didn't you do this and give it to Abraham, your friend? God drove them out. Israel didn't drive them out. God drove them out. Can I tell you, if God is the one that provided it, it is God the one that will protect it. But if you're the one that got it, then it's on you to protect it. But if it was God to give it to you, then no power in hell can take it from you. God provided the land, and all he's doing is just going back to God, saying, God, you gave this land to Abraham, your friend. Can I tell you that you are God's friend? That he's looking out for you today. That he has given you certain things in your life, possessions that are promises from God. Peace that surpasses all understanding is available to you today. There are promises from God that he has given you. 
And he's saying, God, you gave this to me, but right now I don't have it. Right now it's in jeopardy. You gave it to Abraham. They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. This is what he's talking. He's basically quoting like what Deuteronomy says, like we will stand right here. God, this, we will stand right here. We're going to stand right here, and we're going to call on your name, and you will save us, and you will deliver us. But then the tone kind of changes. It's good to be able to have that crying out to God tone. Well, you have to have that. But you can also have honesty before God. God doesn't need your best put-together prayer. He needs you. He needs you to be a person that just talks to God. Yeah, God, I know you said all these things about me, but this is how I feel. So let's go. He, he's a very honest prayer. He goes, verse 10, it kind of changes. He says, but now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. God, you told us when we went into the promised land to not touch them. Now, had it been Jehoshaphat's fault, then I might be able to understand. You know, that's our mind. Oh, well, you deserve this. You had it coming. And they, Jehoshaphat's probably like, you know what? That whole Ahab thing, I'll take the blame for that. I shouldn't have followed Ahab. You know, the whole Jehoram thing, I'll take the blame for that. I shouldn't have followed Jehoram. But here I am right now, trying to do the things that God has called me to do. I am bringing reformation in my life. I am starting to seek God. I'm starting to transform the nation. But God, here we are, a nation that is invading us, and you told us to not even touch them. That's where he's at right now. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. Next verse. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power, God. And I can see it in his honest, all honesty and sincerity. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. That's a great place to be. When you say, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on God. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to overcome this proverbial hell. I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but my eyes are on God. Tell you what, I don't know. I could come up to you and say, hey, you know what? God's going to use this for his good, and I believe it. Well, my brother died last week. Well, God's going to use this for his good. I believe it. I don't know how. I do not know how. And I think that's a good place to be because if you knew how, you would try to manipulate and scheme and try to make it happen your own way. And then it would be like you would think that you got through it. But sometimes God will do things in your life that you did not see coming. And if you saw it coming, you would abort God's process in your life to transform you to be able to carry what he has for you. So in your life, you have got to be able to be open, God I don't know how, but my eyes are on you. Well, that was week one. You remember? God, I don't know how, but I know who. So in your life, you got to be able to have that perspective. I know whose I am and whom I serve. So my eyes are on you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, no matter what you came in here with. 
No matter the marriage that you're going through, the difficulties you're having in marriage. I don't know if you have diseases, cancers. I don't know if you have bankruptcies. I don't know if you have layoffs or, or uh, bad debt, whatever it may be. Praise be to God. Carry your testimony. Fantastic. But even for wherever you're going through today, fix your eyes. He hasn't failed ever before, and he will not fail you now. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So that's where Jehoshaphat is. He says, God, I don't know how. I do not know how. Let's go to the next verse. What happened? All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Generations were represented there. Generations. Husbands, wives, their kids. But then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeel, son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph as he stood in the assembly. I think you're thinking, well, Pastor Eli, why are you reading all those, you know, genealogies and all those names? Uh, well, that's not really relevant to the story. Oh, but it absolutely is. It absolutely is relevant to the story because every single one of those names that were mentioned is a time when God did not fail. Every single one of those generations was a time that is saying, God did not fail them there. What makes you think that he is going to fail you here? And I'm here to tell you today that God has been faithful in the past. He has gotten you this far. He's not going to take you this far just to give up on you now. Did this church turn into like some kind of presbytery or something? I believe that. If you believe that word today, I want you to give a good old amen. Give a good old amen. 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 God hasn't given up on you. He will not give up on you. If you think he's going to, if we are faithless, he is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He can't, and he won't. But even this, this genealogy that we have right here, I want you to take note of this man right here, Asaph. Asaph. Asaph was the worship leader under King David. Asaph was a man that knew how to praise even in the midst of persecution and affliction. Asaph is credited with writing the 50th Psalm and also Psalm 73 through 83. Now, they don't know if it was personally him that wrote it or if it was the genealogy that wrote it and his family that wrote it. There's a debate going on there. But if you pull up your Bible, it'll say a psalm of Asaph. He was the worship leader. He was a man. And if you read Psalm 50, even 73 through 83, they're all psalms that are talking about deep times, but God's going to get me through it. Tough times, but I'm going to praise in the middle of it. Yeah, I'm known going through this. Jehaziel, it was in his blood. It was in his blood to know that God was faithful in the past. He is faithful in the future. Can I tell you, in your life, you need to be able to have a Jehaziel. You got to be able to have someone in your life that even though you're in the midst of it, they say, yeah, I know you're going through it, but God's above it. I know you're in the middle of it, but don't lose heart. God's with it. God's got you. God's for you. You got to be able to surround yourself with people that are strong in the Lord and not even necessarily strong in the Lord, but they just seen how God has delivered them time and time again. You got to be able to surround yourself with people like Jehaziel. If you're starting a business, well, you know what? I don't know if right now is a good time to start a business. You know, inflation and you got all the recession stuff going on. Yeah, but I feel like God told me. And if you got a Jehaziel in your life, hey, man, you know what? 
You got this, because if God is with you, nothing can stand against you. If you feel like right now is the time to start that business, then let's figure it out how we're going to do it. Well, I don't know. Right now, it's a tough time to invest. You know, you got all these uh, inflation, and you got all the, you know, all the, the, the markets are just fluctuating left and right. You know, you can't even hold cash right now because, you know, everything's, you're losing money by the day. And you got people that are all pessimistic. But you got to have people that are full of faith. I said, you know what? I know that God is our provider. I know that he cares for us. And if he's calling you to it, he will supply the means to fulfill it. And God's with you. So these are generations of faithfulness. And so let's keep going. Jehaziel, what did he say? What did he say? Say that. Say, what did he say? Well, let's find out. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. If you are facing something right now, this is not me eisegesis the passage. This is not me reading in my own story. This is me talking, I know a God that's faithful. And if the battle's too big for you, it's just right for God. I'm not saying, yeah, you're Jehoshaphat and you're all that. No, I know who my God is. I know who God is. If he got you this far, he's not going to fail you. And if it's too big for you, good. Good, because it teaches you to depend on God. I want to live my whole life depending on God. I don't want to do things that, well, if I'm going to be able to accomplish it. I want to have big enough faith that God has to show up. But I don't want to go through trials where I have to be dependent on God. But if my faith is in anything other than God, God will leg sweep you so that you are dependent on him. So this is not your battle. Give it back to God. Give it back to God. God wants his fight back. God wants it back. Stop fighting it out of your own strength. Stop fighting it out of your own willpower. Well, I can't quit pornography. That's because it's you being the one trying to beat it. How's that working out for you? Surrender it over to God. Give it to God. God, I can not do this. Jesus said to Peter, put down that sword. Put it down, not this way. Because write this down. In the battles that you face, it is about strategy, not strength. It's about the strategy that you approach, not the strength in which you have. Because it's not about you. <laughs> to keep us from being conceited, who has given me a thorn in my side, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So I do not boast more about my strength. I boast about my weaknesses. For in my weakness, Christ is strong. So that Christ's power may rest on me, I boast about my weaknesses. In your life, it's not about the strategy. Stop fighting it on your own. and Give it to God. Give it to God. Let's keep going. Verse 17, this is what we started with. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you today. Judah and Jerusalem, he will give it to you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. It didn't say today. That was just me reading it. It says, go out to face them tomorrow. The army is no more than 15 hours away. You would think, as a commander, you're thinking strategy. Well, I got to get the high ground. 
I got to find where they're coming from, and I got to position myself. But Jehaziel says, nah, do it tomorrow. Well, why I got to get it figured out now? No, God's got to figure it out. Get a good night's rest. God will take care of it tomorrow. Not today. Tomorrow. Jesus has it all figured out in your life. He's got it all taken care of. So don't worry. I know he, you ha he has you in his hands. And he is faithful. And he never left you and he never will. And it may feel like you're in the midst of a storm. But Jesus is walking on the water saying, hey, it's me. I'm in this storm. God's saying, I'm working through this. Don't worry about it today. Get some sleep. That peace that you need when you lay down, that is your right to have. Jesus purchased that for you on the cross. But there's something that God says about tomorrow in Matthew chapter 6. 31 says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? I don't know how, God, but my eyes are on you. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble in its own. God says, don't worry. You may not know what tomorrow holds, but you know who holds it. And as long as you have Jesus Christ, God, as your Father, I, you could come at me, anyone could try to come about my kid, but if you mess with my kid, you mess with me. You've got to keep that in perspective, that you're his child. He loves you. He's watching out for you. He's looking out for you. It may not feel like it in the moment, but when they were in that boat in Galilee, going across in that storm, he was watching them. He went to the mountaintop to pray. And you could see across that whole lake from that mountaintop. He sees you. He sees you right now. He sees you in that point where you're thinking, God, I feel like my calling's done. God, I feel like you're not going to be able to use me anymore. God, I already screwed up three kids. What about this fourth one? I think it's already done. God, I don't know how you're going to use this layoff. God, the bit company went big. I don't know how you're going to use it. So you're worrying about tomorrow. God says, I got it worked out. I got it worked out. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Because I know how this story ends. I was watching some movie, a movie with Eva and three other kids. And I like to reminisce and go through some of my old movies as a kid. And so I grew up watching the movie Beethoven. Anyone ever watched the movie Beethoven? You know, with that St. Bernard that saves the day. You know, and so I was like, you know what, let's watch a good old family movie. But uh, what I found is that as I watched these old movies now as an adult, I watched things and I seen like, wow, that's pretty aggressive. Wow, that's actually very violent. They just killed that dog? Hmm, now I know why my childhood is so messed up. <laughs> that's what the counselor was talking about. <laughs> but I was watching this movie and I was sitting down with them. And uh, I didn't know, like Eva, Eva, she's six. She absolutely loves animals. She loves puppies especially. And uh, so she's enjoying this movie, but towards the end, it gets pretty aggressive towards these dogs. Like, they're grabbing them and bringing them around, and every time something like that would happen, she'd, oh, she'd close her eyes. But at the end, they have this, this, this shot that they're giving all the dogs to euthanize them. And uh, they're, they're walking towards some of these dogs, and Eva just starts freaking out. Like, she's verbally yelling, no, 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 no. Like, I can't look. She closes her eyes, and she ducks it in the couch. I'm sitting there next to her, you know, kind of taking it in. And I see her ducking it in the couch, and I'm like, 
it's not going to affect me. But it affects her. It affects her because she hadn't seen the movie before. But I've seen the movie. I know how it ends. I know Beethoven comes in and saves the day. Because I know how the story ends. Because I know how this story ends. I know how it ends. And so write this down today. That you don't have to worry about tomorrow when you know how the story ends. And you may not know specificity as to how it ends. If you did, then you wouldn't need God. And you would be God. But trust in God. See, I know. I know how this story ends. Because I know God. And I know he's not going to take you this far just to give up you now. He who began a good work in you will see it through to completion until the day of Christ. So do not fix your eyes on what is coming against you. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you. Hope of glory resonating inside you. So I don't have to worry. I don't got to worry because I know God has me. Well, let's keep going. What does Jehoshaphat do? It says, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Then some of the Levites from the Kohathites and the Korathites stood up and raised the Lord, raised, praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. You got to be able to shout even in the midst of it. You got to be able to praise even in the midst of it. You got to be able to throw that garment of praise on for that spirit of heaviness. You gotta be able to. So this is what happens. Next verse, verse 20. Early in the morning, the next day, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and Jerusalem. And the people of uh, Jerusalem, listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. He says, Have faith in God and the word that God spoke to you. And I'm coming as a pastor of this church, speaking to every single one of you today. Have faith in God and the word that God spoke over you. It's not going to turn void. It's not going to stop. God spoke it. It's going to happen. And anything that has to do with faith has to do with God's timing. God spoke it. He will not die. But Lazarus died. But I trust God. Because in order for me to know him as the resurrection and the life, first I got to see Lazarus die in your life. You got to be able to know that God is going to work this out. So as the pastor of this church, I'm telling you, trust God and the word that God spoke to you, it will come to pass. You can stand to your feet. Amen. So he went in and, and Jehoshaphat counseled all these people and he says, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to lead the way. Lead the way, praising God, giving thanks to Him, and seeking for His love endures forever. You know, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. You know, sing praise. Sing praise. That's an older song. They didn't take it. They took it from here. Took it from the Psalms. And this is why you need to know, and this will be my last point, we'll close, is that you need to be more about position, not power. So where do you align yourself in position with God? Jehoshaphat knew to align himself in a position of praise and worship 
you know what, Judah, Judah, the tribe of Judah, that was the only tribe that Jehoshaphat was over. Judah means praise. God brought Jesus through the tribe of Judah, through David. He, he, he overlooked Joseph and Manasseh and Ephraim and actually went and said, hey, no, my deliverance is going to come through Judah. Because your deliverance is going to come through your heart of praise. That even in the midst of it, God's going to deliver you through. And, and I just want to give a re... After they did all this praising, they, they, they came up to the, the mountain and they saw that God had set an ambush for them. And the kings actually turned on each other. And they all gained up against one and then they gained up against each, one another. And there was no more army to be fought. And so they went and praised and saw the battle was already fought. They saw that God already had it worked out. And y'all, they had so much plunder, it took them four days to get all the plunder back to Jerusalem. Four days. God had it all worked out from the very beginning. And I want you to know today that God has yours worked out too. So when you don't know what to do and the battle comes against you and you don't have time to prepare, I know that you can turn to a God that already has it worked out. Can I pray for you today? Father God, we thank you for the people of my city. I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would watch over them, cover them and keep them. May your face shine upon them, God. Give them rest in Jesus' name. I pray over every bedroom that as people are laying their head down to sleep and they don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, God, I pray that you would give them peace in Jesus' mighty name that peace that surpasses all understanding that guards their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that they would not fixate on how this is going to work out or how you're going to use this, God, but they would be able to fix their eyes on you, the author and perfecter of their faith, God, because they know how the story ends, and they know that if you are faithful in the past, you are faithful right now, and you are faithful to the future, that no one can snatch you out of their hands, that if you began that good work, God, you will see it through to completion. So may your peace rest upon your people, that confidence of sureness and things hoped for, and evidence of things not seen. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, do you believe that? Do you know? Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.